Hello, welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. And I'm Dave Cohen. And this is episode 218 of Sitcom Geeks. And this episode, we are talking about the uh, British Comedy Guide Comedy Conference, which at the time of recording, at least, was a couple of weekends ago. And although, uh, given our age, it may already be disappearing into our memories and our brains are already scrubbing some of it, (laughs) we did make some notes. And we're going to be talking a bit about some reflections on the big themes, especially in the morning sessions when um, there were sessions with the commissioners and producers. So we'll be talking a bit about that. Dave uh, particularly has feverishly scribbled notes, but I, I had a few reflections as well as I went. And it was... But it... You know, but... First things first, it was a cracking conference, wasn't it? Oh, it was brilliant. Really good. Everybody loved it. Very, very good feedback, I think. And oh. it was, uh, you know, it, 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 there was some something for everyone there. And uh, I mean, I, I, I was, my plan was to kind of walk around with uh, my microphone and just record and pick up Atmos and things like that. But actually, what happened was that in between each of the uh, sessions, I would just go out the back and meet 10 people who I who I knew online and saw them for the first time uh, in real life. And this was what was happening everywhere. Lots of people who had met many of them through through our podcasts, really, yeah. through sitcom geeks one way or yeah. another. Um, and it was great to actually, you know, find out these people actually had legs apart from anything yes, else. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And in some cases, faces. Yeah. But, um, uh, and yeah. so, I, you know, I, I, I did some recording at about five, five minutes before the first uh, th- uh, talk, about half nine or something. And then that was it. I just didn't do any more after that because I just I spent the whole time either watching things or hosting my own one or, yeah. uh, or just talking to people about their their plans and and offering advice and just you know and i i just thought it was great and it was really lovely to meet all those uh people i think everybody felt that as well yeah yeah great venue um and good lineup and full full credit to the british comedy guide folks and volunteers for for putting that on um so uh props props to them yeah why don't you um Tell us a bit about your reflections from um, that first session where it was a, a meet the commissioners session. Yeah. I also was writing some notes too, but um, why don't yeah. you just kick us off with some headlines yeah. um, about what you were kind of picking up or taking away? Just before I could say that very quickly, I'll say there, there were kind of three main uh, strands to the, the, the conference, which was um, these opening sessions, as James mentioned, with commissioners mm. and the agents and producers. There was also sessions on craft, which, in fact, James did one on uh, uh, characters. Yeah. And um, and then there was there were also the ones, the sort of DIY ones. So and I did one about open door shows, and there was one about mm. sketches and so on. So mm. um, we're not going to look at craft or uh, DIY shows or sketches. I mean, those are all areas that we've talked about a lot, and the, a lot of what was spoken about there was the kind of stuff and the kind of people. You know, people like Danny Peak were, were were there, and yeah. um, you know, so so. So we kind of have talked about a lot, but I think there's a lot of uh, new stuff that I thought really was, and 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 I was, I was particularly impressed with the um, commissioners uh, panel. It felt like it had moved on a bit from you know the kind of and we, you and I, James, we've probably sat through, and I think you've even hosted, yeah. you know, many of these uh, panels, and they are a little bit 
that can be a little bit depressing. It's sort of like the, the ones that I've seen before. You get, you know, the commissioners turn up and think that they've ticked a box because they turned up to a conference. And so, you know, that's it. I think there was very much a sense now, and I, and I suppose the whole kind of DIY and internet element has mm. kind of changed things a bit. There's very much a, a, a feeling that it was like a, a, it was actually a dialogue yeah. between commissioners and writers rather than just a kind of uh, pronouncements from on high and i think the person who who illustrated that more than anyone was uh sarah asante who's from uk tv which mm. is you know a relatively small player in this world but actually you know does does an enormous amount considering what a kind of tiny uh yeah. commissioning group they are and they are probably you know that they're they're also that they are obviously taking things from people who already have a track record but they feel like the kind of people who are most likely to uh, meet and talk to uh relatively new uh and, and untried writers and but i'm not saying she was selling selling you a bridge or anything you know she was very realistic but yeah. i thought she really uh you know and a lot of people said this they thought that she was brilliant yeah uh, yeah so those are my kind of two two headlines i think as a sort of starting point yeah i think yeah she she was stand out practical and you know we can get into some of those practicalities uh in a moment but i think the thing that really stuck out in my memory now just thinking back to it was the fact that everyone just seemed to be open to good ideas now everyone thinks their own ideas are good um and therefore there's an element of craft and execution to it but it felt like and i mean this in a good way this 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 sounds like i'm being negative about commissioners but it isn't at all it felt like it felt like they were honest about the fact that they don't know what they want mm. and surprised me um as bob hope famously said about what what do you want on your gravestone he said <laughs> surprised me um and so it felt like there was an openness. I mean, in particular, they were saying they want, um, you know, broad ensemble, laugh out loud, big old traditional comedy stuff that that we like. I mean, they don't want it traditional because if it's if you submit something that feels old or or cliched um, or retro, they probably won't want it. But it felt to me like that people that everyone would, everyone who was there listening to it wasn't wasting their time and that they were in with a chance and that it wasn't a closed shop at all. And if you've got a good idea, a bit of a track record, by which I mean a couple of decent YouTube videos or a, a script, or you've, you know, you've come in the top 10 um, in the um, uh, writer's room thing or a competition or something, it just feels like they're, they're up for a discussion or that you're, that, that, that you're that you've got as much chance frankly as i have you know with 20 years of nearly 25 years of experience of doing this so in a way i think that's uh that's a positive as far as you know uh, being open to new talents can did you get that sense dave yeah very much so and i think um you know and i i, I again another one that i found quite interesting was um julia mckenzie from uh, mm. the uh, bbc radio comedy and 
she said one of the first things she said was uh she talked about like quick wins um mm. she said if you're a writer um meet a comedian and again this is something we've said a lot mm. but to hear it from her is like okay they do have a lot of comedians on radio for we know that we know and they have their they have that 11 p.m slot tuesday to thursday uh 15 mm. minutes two 15 minute shows and that's you know that can be new and challenging and wacky and whatever um and if you meet a comedian who you like and you you can write for and you get on with them then that's a that's that's the equivalent, I suppose, of the way in. I mean, they do still have the open door shows at the BBC, but that's sort of the equivalent of getting your your foot in the door with BBC mm. Radio. Um, it's it's it, it's a good it's a good place to start, and I'm you know, and it's nice that, as I say, that that's a, that's a sort of example of uh, where commissioners were not uh, sort of pronouncing from on on high. They were saying we want we want you um mm. and but again there is this realism and i think i mean just to say about the um the family first um the funny the broad the audience shows and again uh, as th th this is actually the one thing that i have heard at every commissioner's meeting yeah we, that's what we want and and they do want it I think they yeah. do. They genuinely do want it, but they just don't get it. You're not writing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, and in a sense, or it's a if you are writing it and they're reading it, it's not good enough. Yeah. The, but, the fact it's not, you're not, it's not like, so they're, they're always allergic to historical sitcoms. Okay. So if you've written one of those, it's already an uphill struggle. They always say they don't want them and they hardly ever do them. But when it comes to mainstream comedy, upbeat, broad, you know, a blue collar, as Americans call it, mm. they do want that. And therefore, uh, and also they're, so I'm sure they do get sent 10, 15, 20 scripts, but they get sent 300 of the other kind, yeah. which are much more authored, single camera. <laughs> which um, we know, because we have, yeah. we got 900 for the hat trick uh, yeah. um, competition. And, and I, I, I can't honestly remember more than a few out of that, like, you know, fingers of one hand rather than, you know, a, a, a meaningful percentage that yeah. were, that said this is an audience sitcom. And I, it's quite possibly what it is, is that there aren't any, there aren't many audience sitcoms on the telly. Um, so you must think, you know, every, like, say, four out of five comedy shows that are on at the moment don't have an audience. So you're mm. probably thinking, well, most of the shows that they take you're thinking correctly, are non-audience. Therefore, I must write a non-audience. But yeah. actually, it's worth doing audience. And I think it's certainly worth trying it for, for radio, apart from anything else, because radio do make audience sitcoms. Radio still, we've, we haven't yet reached the place that we've reached with TV, where people find the, the laughter on a show intrusive which is kind of what a lot of younger people say about why they don't like audience sitcoms. Then again, mm. Friends is still massively popular. Frasier is still massively popular. So it's it's not like people aren't watching audience sitcoms at the moment. Mm. So, I mean, that's, that's just something to bear in mind. I thought Julia, there was a really interesting thing when what that Julia said was that, you know, think of a show's long-term potential mm. that I want three series. So that's a really interesting 
thought as well for there's a little bit talking about craft now but it is it it is you know when we say you know don't don't put all your eggs in one basket don't think that the first script that you're going to write is going to be the one but one of one of the things that you need to do when you're writing your first script or whatever it is is think are there 18 episodes at least to be had out of this and be really honest with yourself are there 18 episodes you know and speaking of someone who has not ever had my own show of 18 episodes ever made so i can say you know mostly not i mean james you've been in you've had a shows mm. where you have had 18 or more than that mm. you know and that's uh which is brilliant um radio and tv but you know it's got to be it's got to have more than just a, oh this is a great yeah. idea and it's like because it yeah yeah and I'd, I'd i'd love to have done more of all of them you know yeah. Um, the one that's always narked me particularly is um, uh, I thought Hut 33 was rather snuffed out when I, you know, we all loved doing it. I loved writing it. We would happily have done a fourth, fifth and sixth series. There was plenty more war to be going on with. We hadn't even, got to, we hadn't even made it to D-Day. Um, but for whatever reason, um, that was uh, yeah. just that that avenue of pleasure was closed <laughs> off as uh, John Cleese. Thank you, Basil. As Basil yeah. says. Yes. Um, so, and they don't want it opened up again, do we, Basil? No, you don't, dear. Um, so, don't mention the war, World War II right. sitcom. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. But, it, but we still hear of people who just sort of have these ideas that are basically three hour movies and chunked up into six. And it's like, well, I don't know. I, I, I don't think given how hard it is to get a show on TV, if they're going to get it on and do six half hours and you're done, that's just, it's just not worth the effort. Mm. Um, So unless you can, so a good example of that would be, so the worst week of my life, which is quite a long time ago now, was a sitcom about the build-up to somebody getting married. But there was another series in the worst honeymoon yeah. of worst my life year. Was it? Oh. the worst year of my life and yeah. so they'd established the characters through the format but um but yeah and, and actually that then takes us on to the thing that dave was saying um about shows on dave or on uk gold um about the fact that they're actually interested in making three pilots as in three episodes in a pilot um just to see if the idea works and then do six the following year so or the three could be a 90 minutes and that's what we've got with the with the movie um yeah. or that's we are not decided. alone we are not alone by yeah. i think ben wilbond ben and lawrence rickard yeah 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 um so yeah it's they they, they you know they're trying things out but the, the 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 desire is always to and i'm heartened to say this have a proper sitcom that could just run and <laughs> yeah. run and run and therefore you need characters, you need a situation, and you need an eternal conundrum that will never really be resolved um, rather than an interesting idea and a story hmm. with a beginning and a middle and an end. That is, I think, as far as sitcom is concerned, kryptonite. Yeah, I th- and I think uh, c- coming back to that was another thing that Sarah said, and and, and it is worth talking a little bit about craft and in, in this mm. context. Um, but and and I'll, I'll mention the producers as well. She she said, you know, you really have to be incredibly enthusiastic about your show. You uh, have to be able to answer 
all the questions yeah. that, a, that a producer might ask you. And, and, and then if we go back to go to the uh, producers uh, talk, you know, we, we tend to think of producers as these, you know, kind of these, these distant people who we don't really, um, you know, they're kind of, again, they're, they're sort of more like gods to us, but you know, they, they just get so many submissions if they want, if they like your idea, they really, really want to, you know, they, they, they've got to really want to push it because they know that every 10 ideas that they pitch, you know, nine of them will yeah. get rejected. So they've got to really, really like your idea. So, I mean, that was one of the sort of one of the first things that we learned from the uh, commissioners panel was ignore the commissioners. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that's a great thing because you don't, you certainly don't want to be second guessing. You don't want to be thinking, oh, okay, so we've got a lot of ghost sitcoms at the moment. Maybe I should write a ghost sitcom. Well, even if it's absolutely brilliant, you're two or three years away from it being made, at which point everybody will be sick of ghosts. Um, mm. So, but the, but the other reason you ignore them is because they are, it's the producers who are yeah. selling your idea to them. So you really are looking to, uh, get a producer to love your idea and yeah. say they do well again the first thing they said they get tons and tons of submissions i mean merman with sharon horgan's uh production company uh clearly mountford from merman said said something like they get 50 submissions a week or something i mean wow oh, bloody hell uh yeah. you know so well. um don't don't you know and you know they're they're pitching sharon horgan shows and sometimes and you think well She's going to get a pitch. She's going to get a show made, isn't she? Well, not always. And um, so, so they're kind of, and they, 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 she, she said it's heartbreaking to her. And I, I was sort of, I was slightly taken aback when I heard her say, you know, I find it really heartbreaking when something doesn't go through because I was sort of thinking, no, no, I'm the writer. I'm the one who's supposed to find it heartbreaking. You're just going to yeah. go and move on to your next thing. But actually, they yeah. do. They really have invested it. If a producer spends time with you and says, I really like this idea. I'm really going to push this idea. Uh, hence why you really have to yeah. know that it's a great idea. Um, you know, they're, they're putting their heart and soul into it and they have yeah, yeah. to. And, and they're spending all of their sort of social capital on it as well. Mm. So I've got a, a half hour comedy idea in which, you know, some some would say, "Oh, well, this feels like it's one series and done," and and it isn't. And I, I, I but it, but it does have quite a strong story element. But the producer that it's in with um, is is I I know how passionate she is about it, and it's already been turned down in a couple of places. And she said, "Oh, it's also with this person and this person and th these people over here." And um, you know, and I checked in the other day on it and they were just like, you know, we absolutely love this show because also bear in mind, you know, and we, we're determined to get it on if we can. And I know that they will. Uh, and because it's, it's and it's really depressing when I've worked with one or two producers who I've just thought, I think the when there's a whiff of pushback on this idea, you're just going to drop it. And all of my hard work is going to be uh, for for nothing. So actually, you want a you want a producer who who does believe in the idea, and if you get one, when they go to have their meeting with Apple TV or the BBC, they're only going to mention probably two or three ideas, maybe four, and and so in order to, you know, they're going to spend ten minutes with a commissioner on your behalf, as it were, 
pitching this idea and not somebody else's. So they really do need to believe in your idea and commit to it. So, you know, they, for them, it is a bit of a feeling of letting somebody down. Um, it's almost like they've turned the show down rather than the person that they've been pitching it to. They're the ones that's phoning you or saying, I'm sorry, they didn't go for it. Normally, it's emails these days. They phone you if it's a yes, but they email you if it's a no. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that relationship is crucial. And, and, and that was that was heartening to hear as well. And it's a good reminder that you really do need a strong relationship with a producer who knows how to navigate this system and knows mm. not to go chasing trends necessarily and has good working relationships. And therefore also, and I mentioned this before, I think in one or two other situations, bear in mind that that producer has a particular track record and, and things that they're particularly interested in and therefore, some of your ideas will be suitable for them and some of them won't. Um, so if you've got a producer who has got a really strong comedy drama background and you've got a really good comedy drama, that's great. If you've got a studio sitcom, you know, that they and, you know, you can have the conversation, but just say, I've got this studio sitcom idea and it really does feel very studio and it's probably not for you, is it? They broke. Nah, it's probably not for us. But what was that? Tell me about the comedy drama one. So just. Bear in mind, and you can have a relationship with more than one producer, okay? You can be uh, polyamorous when it comes to uh, producers, at least. Uh, yeah. Don't do that in life, but do do that in, in the industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think we should just uh, give a little bit of attention to, and uh, we, we've talked about this before, but it is worth uh, bringing up again. And it's, it, it's the thing that everybody says to us when we say, oh, you need a producer for this, producer for that. But, yeah, but it's catch 22. You can't get a producer until you've got an agent. You can't get an agent until you've got a producer, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but there was a lot, certainly in the producers and agents uh, talk that followed the commissioner's report, uh, uh, the, the talk, <coughs> excuse me, uh, in the producers and agents uh, talk, they had um, they talked a lot about how do you get a producer and you know they and again this is a way in which they are much more open now they're not saying oh well you know you have to come through a production company or whatever they're saying look do write a play put something up online um yeah one really interesting idea and this was something that actually paul bassett davis talked about as well in our uh, conference we did the next day about um you know there's there's certainly in london there's the london comedy writers but i mean wherever you are you it, it should be possible to get a bunch of actors together do a table read mm -hmm. and invite producers uh to come to this table read because um they might be you know a they're looking for they're looking to meet people uh, yeah. and B, they might be happy to do it with a pint of beer in their hand. Yeah. Um, but also they, you know, and they, they want to watch the performers and they might see someone and think, Oh, that person, I like yeah. that person. So they're, they're kind of going to be that, that feels like a kind of a good way to get someone. And they might, you know, they might not like yeah. your thing, but that's, that's the risk if, you take, you know, if you hired the museum of comedy or somewhere quite central in london um and you got a, and you got some actors and you read it through and you sort of performed it and if you invited 15 producers i bet you'd get at least four yeah you know and, and then what i would do is also and and four others 
would say, I'm really sorry, I can't make it and mean it. And the other four don't check their email or you've, they're just too busy or they're shooting something or, you know, they're not looking to develop stuff at the moment or whatever it is. So for the sake of those other ones, you know, you could also try and record it and then spend a bit of time just tidying up the recording if you can. And then you've got something that you can also send to those who couldn't make it and maybe half, and maybe two of those producers will actually listen to it and one of them will listen to it for more than four minutes. And you are now doing much better than you were one year ago. You know what I mean? There, that, that's an, that is an enriching experience all round. It's improving your capital. You've learned a lot that your script was not as good as you thought it was. You've also learned that there are one or two actors who do... who who get your writing and make it better and there there are you know and that you need to sharpen up and there are things you could have done differently um but you're, you're out there you're doing it um and i think so i think people do get sidetracked on agents and in the end ironically there weren't any agents at that session because they, they did have one lined up who then i don't think could make it yeah but it is about the producers really and mm. i don't think they they talk to agents but they're not exclusively talking to agents hmm and we have we have discussed about getting an agent as well and that's i i think it definitely um a point to bear in mind that at this stage in your career um getting an agent is just not as important as no. getting at least one producer and as james says get get more and there are lots of producers out there and there are uh you know there are more and more and the, partly because of this uh ridiculous thing that's happening now that basically everyone's abandoning the bbc they yeah. they you get a job as a producer at the bbc you have a hit show and then the first thing you do is you you take your talent out mm. of the bbc and set up your independent company with your yeah. hit performer and you know that's that's becoming the sort of model yeah. for for making big uh shows so that's the kind of so there are producers yeah. out there and there's there's less yeah. money <laughs> And do you know where you can find details of pretty much every single producer and comedy production company in the UK? That is on the BCG Pro uh, website. Mm. So if you join BCG, then you can, um, then you, they just got a really big database of stuff. And, you know, I think they update it pretty well. They're total geeks. They just love comedy and they just want to do anything to make more comedy uh, happen so they've got this really good database which I've looked at as well and um, just thought oh I do know where's this person now what's that or I don't know them or and suddenly you just think oh hang on they've just done that other show I remember seeing that a couple of years ago and actually the sort of people that make that might be interested in this other idea that I've got so mm. I mean in the old days I think I don't know if I've still got a copy it was the writers uh, writers and artists year yearbook yeah. yeah, which I think is still a thing, isn't it? It is. I got one recently only because for, uh, I, I needed to check uh, yeah. agents in certain areas other than uh, comedy writing. Yeah. So. I mean, I'd imagine it's sort of out of date within minutes of it coming off the printing press. Yes. Given how a... people move around. But what you can do is just look, look in there and then just go, OK, does this person still work for that production company? That's on the Internet. So you, you can corroborate pretty much every single bit of information in that book. Mm. But having it in a book might actually be better for some people if you're more, if you're more you know, into the tactile book thing. So that, you know, it's 15 quid 
not wasted, I don't think, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good book, very useful. Yeah. I, I'm, I found it useful. I got the most recent copy just before Christmas, and, you know, I think it's really good good value. Yeah. Um, and also, it opens your mind up, because I've got old yeah. ones as well, but also opens your mind up to there are people who own copyright of things, and there are people who represent illustrators, and there are... It, there's like a whole world of writing in the book, isn't it? It's not yeah. just your you and your comedy career it's like there's a whole world of stuff out there and agents as well and who they represent and so actually just reading through that and just you know all of the people in this book are busy or looking for people you know yeah so it's it is probably worth at least flicking through a copy in waterstones yeah. um, if not joining bcg pro and I think also, um, and this, this isn't so much about craft, but I think this is about, yeah, yeah yes, learn, learn mm. about the industry, learn what's going on. And it is changing and it's changing a lot and it's changing quickly. Um, yeah. So, you know, keep up, keep up with it. Um, but also the thing that the overall thing I should have mentioned at the start, but I, I'm kind of realizing now talking about it from the, the two, those two hour long talks is to how to think about what you want to get on without second guessing hmm. uh, commissioners and without uh, looking at what's happening now and thinking, oh, I'll do that. But there are lots of lots of clues, lots of ideas, lots of ways um, that that you can do things. First of all, to not talk about the craft at this point to to really emphasize what we've been saying and what the, they were all saying which is you know do whatever it takes to get yourself in front of my eyes yeah and uh, in fact you know and and there was at one point i think basically there was um people said the commissioners they all said well you know someone said how do we get in touch with you and somebody said well you know i can't really give out my email uh, but you know, mm. go to the BBC and you'll find whatever, and, and you know, mm. you'll find a way. And I think it was again, it was a, Sarah from uh, UK TV said, uh, Well, I can't give you my email, but you know, you can probably work it out yourself. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah, other yeah, words, yeah. just find the find a page on a website and yeah. you know, find a company and yeah. info at company.co. You know, it's Prob the chances are this production company is is three people you know yeah and that person that you want to contact there's a one in three chance they will read that email so yeah that and also um yeah. sarah said very helpfully which is howlingly obvious but it's like I've, I've never heard anyone actually say it when you approach a production company find people with the word development in their <laughs> job description <laughs> yeah. and contact them it's like yeah yeah. You know, it's amazing how people don't do the basics. I was listening to um, uh, the Joanna Penn podcast, um, yeah. Yeah. which I know you're a fan of as well. And um, I've I've just sort of picked up on one or two of those. And um, mainly I just stand in awe of this woman. She just is. <laughs> she, she's just incredible. She's amazing. Um, yes. I met yeah, her yeah. a and couple we, of weeks ago, actually. Yeah, yeah, we had her on the show some time back. So do do go and dig out that episode and you'll be astonished. Uh, <laughs> episode 149, I remember. There we go. Well, very good. It's, it's like it's burned in his it brain. It is burned in my brain, yes. Um, but, um, but yeah, she was speaking to... Um, a guy about who sort of started his own little publishing company and they mostly oh, publish yeah. 
books about climbing and um, oh, adventure. And, brilliant, brilliant episode. Yeah. Uh, but he said, you know, they, they do actually have, if you want to submit an idea to them, then they do have a, a sort of a, a format through which to do it. And nine out of ten people don't do it. They yeah. don't follow the advice. They don't actually follow the submission pr- procedure. Now, some might say, well, yeah, only a sucker would do that, you know, because that's like, so well, no, start by just doing it as they ask. And so, you know, I just mentioned that because like there are people who work in development and there are production companies that say, please approach us in this way. There are agents who say, we will consider your material if you do this or this. So start with that. You know, they, they do have these mm. ways in. They, they are trying to find new voices, new talent. And I know so, your, your response to this will be, yeah, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm different. My idea is good enough for this and that and the other. And I, I, yeah. you know, I, don't, need, I don't need development. I'm fully formed. It's all there. It's all ready to go. And, yeah, if you're an Enneagram type four, uh, <laughs> I think, the individualist is just like, oh, no, but I, that wouldn't work for me, though, because my yeah. talent is a particular kind of talent. So therefore, um, it doesn't really show up in any of the usual kind of ways. So I, I would need a face-to-face contact meeting with the head of the company um, because I've just got these amazing ideas. And I, I, you know, but, I think you know, asking me to put them down on paper now, I think is actually yeah. quite unreasonable. Yeah. And yeah. I, 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 you know, 40 years in almost into this career, I, I, I did that. I walked into that trap uh, yeah. with my first novel. Um, the guy, this other novel uh, podcast, yeah. Thomas Umstadt, don't yeah. publish your first novel. Do not publish your first novel. And I thought, yeah, that's a good, good. I mean, actually, I didn't hear that advice until I'd already published mine. But yeah. um, fortunately, I, I had a bit of help with that because I wrote a novel over ten years ago called Death, uh, called Crossword Ends in Violence. Yeah, yeah. And um, I basically couldn't get it published. So um, <laughs> fate, divine providence, the Lord Himself, uh, pick which you prefer, uh, ensured that I didn't get my first uh, novel published. So um, and then and then it's a bit like. Um, they uh, uh, restaurants, you know, most most restaurants fail within six months, and like it's it, the, the the failure rate of restaurants is incredibly high. Mm. And I, there was a show a while back called the called the Restaurant Man, I think, or the Restaurant Guy. He was a sort of a restaurant consultant and a successful restaurateur himself. And he added the statistic that um, not only do two thirds of restaurants not make it through the first six months, a third. Never even open. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They sort of sure. they, they they get the premises. They they start ripping out kitchens, putting in yeah. new things, biters, and then they never even open. It's just like oh my goodness. So it's like uh, the failure rate is very high. So yeah. like you know, so at least you published you you got your novel out there. But mine was like mine was. <laughs> well, I, I published it myself. That's probably well, how I did it. But I mean, even, even so. so, it was uh, my my. There was a part of my brain that was going well you know i'm a i've had success as a writer here and here and here but you know as far as novel writing is concerned i'm i'm joe schmo nobody you know you can't yeah success in one other field doesn't guarantee anything in in another field so you know i had to and hopefully the second novel is a bit better i hope (laughs) anyway i don't know how we got onto that but yeah but sarah was basically saying when you're approaching people, find people yeah. whose job, in, in, you know, includes the word development. Well, and that's, a, that's, yeah. that's pretty good advice. Talking about having an intelligent approach to what do you do. So, yeah. So 
go go through those routes go through the routes that are there on offer because other people aren't doing it like that guy said about books and it's true with production companies as well but other things a few interesting quotes uh claire jones who i've known for a long time the radio producer i've worked with loads over the years she was in the producers uh talk she said podcasts have torn up the rule book for radio so you know and Again, we've said this to you before, make a podcast, come up with, you know, work, work on something that you can do that doesn't, and, and, you know, make 10 episodes that are wrong so that you can learn how to make the 11th mm. episode be something that might be interesting. Yeah. Write online sketches, learn to write sketches, work online with actors and, and uh, yeah. film filmmakers. They're all out there. They're desperate for work. And, you know, they're desperate for writers, really. They're desperate yeah. for good writing, good sketches. So those mm. the, we're, we're sort of back where we often are um, with this um, podcast, which is, you know, if you want to get on, just be just just think a little bit of, you know, just 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 try and think a little bit counterintuitively as well. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You, you can do it. Yeah. This all I came, mean, there, there were, I was going to yeah, say, this just all came from the, how do you get a producer? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Question. Yeah. And I guess there are, there are sort of, therefore three, um, three components to this, aren't there? One is that one is the craft is that, and that is executing ideas well. And then two there's the actual having ideas, but not just having ideas, because ideas, you know, for most people, if you're if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't find ideas actually all that difficult. You've probably got loads of, oh, you could do a show about this, or you could do a sitcom on that, or you could blah, blah, blah. But it's like getting it into, well, what actually is this? And can you sell this? Is, is this an idea that immediately grabs? And so, you know, I've, I've had this um, idea, which I think would be a really cool, warm, multi-generational show. But there's one thing about it, which I know people just think, oh, oh, could it not be about that? I don't think people are interested in this one thing that it's about. And I'm saying it's not about that. It's sport related. It's not about that. It's um, it's actually about something that transcends that. In order to overcome that, I'm sort of having to go, OK, so how do I make the first impression of this idea really crystal clear? Because I'm not trying to hide the thing that they're worried about but i'm trying to make sure that the that that the multi-generational warm community feel to it is the first thing that they see and experience in the same way and we've said this in this podcast recently i think you know the save the cat book is essentially if you can't see the poster um of your movie i wouldn't even start writing it hmm. you know i don't think you've got a movie uh, and i know some people sort of are they find out what they've got by writing it and that kind of stuff. And that, you know, that that's fine. But so there's, there's the, there's the sellable idea kind of thing, which is the encapsulating it. There's the craft of execution, which you also need when you get that thing uh, in front of someone. But then there's the self-marketing um, industry stuff of getting your ideas in front of people to begin with. And you really do need all three. Um, and, most of us probably favour one or two of those three. Very few of us are particularly um, gifted in all three. And what we know, one or two people are, and they're just like, was it Brandon Sanderstead or something, this sort of science fiction writer in America yeah. who's just got this absolutely gigantic machine of 
publishing that's kind He's, of surrounds I, I think him. he set up a, a Kickstarter that raised yeah. something like $50 million or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> And so you know, and he's now so he's now going direct to his readers, and and, mm. and that's that's great, that's fine, and he's sort of been able to do that because he became got a name via traditional publishing. So, um, but but yeah, so you you do need to um, have all three of those things together and give them all some attention. Mm. So you, we need to improve our craft, but we also need to, when we have these ideas, work out well what actually is it. Uh, how can I explain it to somebody in a very clear and concise way so that they get it? And then I get to explain what it is a bit further. But then how do I even have that meeting, that opportunity in the first place? And it might be that I need to make a really good couple of YouTube videos or a really good podcast or have, a, and I, you know, and some people don't want the tech, a really good blog. The written word is still a really good thing. And I haven't seen many fake comedy blogs for now quite a long time. Um, and so if you're into writing um, and you're not into performance at all and you don't want to do any tech stuff and that's all fine, I, the world is still your oyster as far as I'm concerned. But those those are the three things to be to be attending to. And if I could choose one to prioritise out of those three, James, I would choose the craft because I think okay. I think that's um I think that's probably the thing that's changed the most for me over the last few years is, uh, yes, I, I mean, I've always been a bit of an advocate for DIY, so so that's not been a, a big change. Yeah, and I've come round to it. I didn't used to be. Yeah, um, mm. but I think I have become more, you know, and uh, I think I also, what I used to see was, well, the DIY approach, that's how you get your foot in the door at the BBC or all those other things, and that's that's become harder now. But I think that, just getting better at writing you know mm. that's so so important and writing writing sketches it's like if you want to be a novelist you write short stories if you want to write comedy on tv and radio write sketches and it doesn't yeah. matter that there aren't sketch shows at this point on radio and tv because there is a, a mega sketch show that's on the internet <laughs> it's called the mm. internet and there's also um everybody's worrying about attention span and so you know you've got that 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 the sort of thing that people who are worried about attention span are looking for is a minute long sketch or a two minute sketch um you know that's perfect for tiktok or youtube or whatever uh, and i think you know youtube has has come round from being uh, people thinking of the, the kind of the devil's uh, the mm. devil's work you know with all the sort of um the, the algorithms that send you to a more extreme place so that you're yes kind of it's the, right yeah you know, sort of moon landing denial stuff yeah, or whatever you it is start yeah. watching nigel farage and then the, before you know it you're in, in the ninth circle of hell um yeah you know but um actually it's an incredible resource youtube and it's you know it's getting cheaper and cheaper to make your own stuff and Again, another thing that we talk about, you know, the technology is better now, but you know, a, a, a beautiful, a beautiful, a beautifully filmed sketch uh, that's not funny is not going to be as good as a averagely yeah. filmed sketch that's funny. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know, get the writing th right. Yeah. Work. Yeah, on and craft. I think the actual craft, because I do think that the quality does uh, win out because. Um, you know, we when when we did our last competition, we read literally hundreds of scripts. 
most of them were severely technically flawed. Most of them had perfectly decent characters. The idea was okay. It might have been brilliant, might not have been. But just the execution was just like, this doesn't work. There's no story. Technically, this does, this isn't, you know. And so actually, there are open door policies and there are lots of places where you can. And if you do, and look, there are lots of sketches on YouTube that aren't any good. So you, you can actually make your own stuff. But, and then, I mean, I particularly experienced this and it's not specifically for comedy, but there are one or two podcasting forums I'm on on Facebook and you've got people going on just saying, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I've, I've, I've got this, you know, after 15 episodes of my podcast, I'm not getting more than 30 listeners and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's just like, oh, you've got to make sure you get onto other people's podcasts and you've got to make sure you do this or do that. And maybe you're not doing this or you need a new microphone. Is your sound quality good? And actually, the, the, the awful truth, which I never say because it's frankly not my, not my place to, the awful truth is... Is your podcast any good or is it a massive waste of your audience's time? You know, to me, it's like, what, what is your podcast? And when people are listening to it, the best way to sell a podcast is to have a good one. And then you get word of mouth mm. and people. So you either want to be you, you want to be really clear about what you're offering, which we do. We're talking about situation comedy. That's what we do. We're pretty much the only podcast that does that specifically. And then we do it. We don't. We do, we we talk about the business of writing, and sitcoms is always our preferred thing to talk about. But there are lots of other things that aren't that, and you just think you, you've not got the craft right. Hmm. Um, and so you've got to be. So I think the craft is really worth. And I, and I've realised I've got to go back and learn more craft and more skills rather than talk about the ones that I know. And I'm discovering new stuff. But I do want to think about novels and you know, and movie scripts and whole loads of other things, because I think also that would make me a better sitcom writer as well. Um, which is always going to be, I think my, my first love until my dying breath. So, um, so yeah. Uh, that's a great, Rant over. Uh, I feel mm. like I, 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 they, they put some stirring music behind that, uh, James. <laughs> that was really uh, very, very well said. I thought, and uh, oh, thank you. you know, I, I I do agree, and I think you know we have we have talked a little bit more, I suppose, in recent months about about the the, the book side of things. But I mean, the the only reason. The, or the main reason that I started writing novels was because uh, I couldn't get meetings with ideas for sort of big big ideas mm. for comedy dramas. And, you know, I've not had a lot of meetings, but I've had more meetings as a result of having written novels now mm. than I would have done if I hadn't written them. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it is... It, these, these things do all feed into each other and it is, it is yeah. important. So, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, just really getting the basics as a writer starting out if you want to write sitcom then you know work on work on sketches work on an idea for a podcast work do, write blogs but you know mm. just 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 do just do that uh and it's the it's the dull work really and it, it yeah. feels dull but it's uh you know it does pay off yeah, I think it does. And and just improving as a writer is an end in itself and is and is worth doing yeah. in itself. And so mm -hmm. therefore, I think a conference like that, I think, and I just sort of made the, the notes I had to myself here were when when you hear commissioners talk about talk to producers and we're open for ideas and and you, you see everybody there and there's a hundred people there and you just think I'm sort of competing with them as well. And, Oh, I need to get on and I need to have these ideas. And that's, it's actually rather overwhelming. Mm. Um, but actually if you just focus on 
How can I improve my skills? What is this year, these in the next six months, in the next quarter, in the next 12 months, what skill can I learn? What could I write that will teach me, um, that will make me uh, go through the process of, of doing this sort of thing? What short thing could I make? And I'm just thinking, you know, I keep thinking about writing novels, but I just think I, maybe I should try and write short stories. And I think that's because my prose isn't very good. My, my fiction prose is not very good. So I should write some short stories. Okay, great. What do I need to do before I do that? I should read some short stories. Why would I think I can write short stories if I don't read them? I should go back and read them. And then I like G.K. Chesterton's Father Brown stories and those sorts of things. So I should find some more stuff like that. So, and then, you know, then have lots of ideas, but then just go, well, which ones of these am I going to really focus on you know and what what can I make in the short in the short term but yeah I think you can just get really overwhelmed and they just go well the world's my oyster there's so much possibility and there's also so much to do you do just want to you know take yourself out for a nice cup of coffee decaf preferably you know and have a bit of a blank sheet of paper and just go well what am I about how how can I how can I at the end and so so my my short, my, my longer term goal, as in my like five to seven year goal now, I think is to to get to the point where I'm the kind of writer who gets asked to do the kinds of things that I would want to do. So, for example, um, if they if they made a TV series, which they are, I think, of the Narnia books, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to ruin those, aren't they? Oh, <laughs> I flip and love those books. Absolutely adore them. Read them to my kids three three times over. You're not Didn't too like... close to them, though, are you, James? Maybe. Well, no, I, maybe I am. But <laughs> I just thought I'd love to be part of it, and I got my asked my agent to try and see if I could get part of it. And I just thought, but based on my track record, they're not going to hire me. Why would they? Just the fact that I'm interested in it and that I really I really like it. That I'm an Anglican like C.S. Lewis was and all that kind of stuff. But what I need to do is to get a better CV. So that in five years time, if something like this comes up again, people might just go, oh, actually, James Carey could do that. Because um, also, if you, in the last five years, he's done this, this and this. So I'm sure he could do that. So it's just like, so that's what I need to do next. I need to work on, you know, the, at the end of every level, there's a different monster you've got to overcome. And then you're on to the next one. Then you're on to the next one, on to the next one. Yeah. So it doesn't stop. So the same thing applies to me. Um as it is to whoever you are listening to this at whatever stage you are, you can always improve so that you can, you know, get better opportunities next time, make better use of them and then go on to the next thing. But, it, you know, rather than just feeling like you want to be a competition winner, who's like a script lottery winner. And that's I think that's a healthy way to go. And anyway, here's something that I've been doing recently, um, mm -hmm. which you might be uh, might be useful to you. Um, come to uh, come to me via uh, davecohen.org.uk and um, I've been doing uh, a few uh, sessions with people. I just talk to you um, for half an hour or an hour or so and you, you kind of tell me what you want to do and where you want to go and, and you know mostly most people have got lots and lots of ideas but they don't really know what the next step should be. So I've been yeah. helping a lot of writers recently Great. Just, to, just to clarify and I mean, it is um, partly my experience, but but really, it does. Uh, when when it's someone else listening to you, it kind of becomes very clear quite quickly. Well, you should do this, and then do this, and then do that. Um, and that and it's um, 
it, it is, you know, it is hard to get out of your brain and work out what should I do next? And, and you know, you can get overwhelmed by the options of the choices. Mm. So um, go to the um, courses page, davecohen.org.uk and um, email me and I'll try and get a session. I've been doing a few of them recently. Um, they would probably be from sort of June or whatever. But um, yeah, drop me a line and I'll see if I can chat to you about that. Great. Well, that sounds like a very concrete way forward. Also, there's the BTG Pro uh, thing we mentioned before. Um, and uh, I think the sessions that we did in the afternoon are going to be made available through BCG Pro for members. So I would, yeah. uh, it's worth signing. And I did one on characters with Tom Basden and Sarah Morgan and sitting on my right, um, <laughs> Ben, uh, Ben Green from uh, from uh, Rangaby uh, mm-hmm. was there too. And so that was a, that was a really fun session. I think that was, I think that was quite productive. Yeah, and I did one on open door shows, of which there are now a lot. So writing jokes mm. and sketches and stuff um, for uh, DMs are open and uh, breaking the news in Scotland and the skewer on Radio mm. Four. And I, I, I just want to give a special mention to John Holmes, who produces the skewer, and and it's basically it's it's his brain on the radio, mm. um, <laughs> and John is absolutely fantastic at bringing new people in and yeah they aren't necessarily you know it's not it's not writing as we know it but it is about yeah. coming up with funny ideas and uh, he he's just brilliant and he'll he'll take anyone's idea and he'll take five or six people's versions of an idea and then mold it into a sketch that's a skewer sketch and all five or six of you will get a credit so you get your first radio credit yeah because uh, he's incredibly generous that way and yeah. uh you know that's a that's a show it's worth if you want to get a credit on radio listen yeah. to the skewer and work out you know, it's quite difficult to get to know, but once you get to know it, you can work out how to write for it and work out how to pitch ideas for it. Um, yeah. Because I think John has done more for new writers than anyone else I can think of, really, and Bill Dare, maybe. But yeah, yeah. You know, good, good, good old John. Good old John. Well done, John Holmes. Um, and yeah, uh, so there are lots of open door stuff as well, which we've obviously not really covered so much in this, but it is a great place to, to get going. And, um, yeah cool well i think we'll draw stumps there uh on this episode as you say you can you can get um you can uh, get access to the sessions that were recorded via bcg pro uh, i think so have a look at that and cool i think we're done thanks dave yep. thank you james and we'll speak to you next time cheerio bye, bye.